Say hello to a new friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. Come along for the ride. Jim Hinckley's America. Jim Hinckley's America. A little bit of music from uh, Joe and Woody and the boys, the road crew there. Hey, we're going to do a uh, little bit of something special today, a 4th of July program, Independence Day. Um, I'll go through a little bit of a few things here, a little bit of history, and then uh, chime in. This is an interactive program. I'd like to hear a little bit about uh, some of the favorite places that uh, you have for celebrating the 4th of July, maybe some favorite 4th of July memories. Feel free to chime in there, but uh, 4th of July is kind of a special one for me, but we'll get to that in just a moment. Hey, on June 7th, when the Continental Congress met at the Pennsylvania State House, which is now uh, Independence Hall in Philadelphia, the Virginia delegate Richard Henry Lee, a uh, relative of Robert E. Lee, the famous Confederate general, he introduced a motion calling for the colony's independence. Then, on June 11, 1776, the first order of business for the Second Continental Congress was to form a committee for the creation of a document that would formally sever the American colony's ties with Great Britain. The committee included Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, Roger Sherman, and Robert Livingston. Now, Jefferson was considered the strongest and most eloquent writer, so he crafted the original draft. But before being accepted and adopted, as often happens with committees in politics, there were 86 revisions. Okay, before I kick off this very special Independence Day program, I need to want to give a shout out to a couple of our valued sponsors and good friends. First, we have the uh, delightful time capsule. That's the Roadrunner Motel in Tucumcari, New Mexico. David Brenner is an attentive host with an eye for detail and so the guest is assured a restful night's sleep and a bit of time travel back to 1964. And we also have the Wagon Wheel Motel in Cuba, Missouri, a revered gym that has been providing a restful night's sleep to guests for almost 90 years. Connie Eccles has given this treasure a new lease on life with a painstaking restoration that preserved the original charm and yet provides the modern traveler with the expected amenities. Okay. Now, let's get back to that sweltering summer of 1776. On July 2nd, the Continental Congress voted in favor of Lee's resolution for independence and a near unanimous vote. The New York delegation abstained. They later voted affirmatively. Later that evening, John Adams wrote a letter to his wife, Abigail, who he often called his dearest friend in their correspondence. And he envisioned how that day of independence would be celebrated in the future. Quote, I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward, forevermore. 
On July 4th, the Continental Congress formally adopted the Declaration of Independence. There's an interesting historic footnote to this. John Adams was so adamant that Independence Day be celebrated on July 2nd that on several occasions in the years that followed, he turned down invitations to appear on July 4th events in protest. John Adams was known for his brilliance, uh, his dedication, his honesty, his loyalty, and his stubbornness. Well, one year later, the city of Philadelphia celebrated with joy and festivity on July 4th. According to the Pennsylvania Evening Post, the first newspaper to print the Declaration of Independence in July of 1776, the festivities began at noon when armed ships on the Delaware River lined up before the city, and as the paper described it, they were dressed in the gayest manner with the colors of the United States and streamers displayed. At one o'clock, they began a 13-gun salute to honor the 13 colonies. The afternoon included a dinner for Congress and dignitaries, a Hessian band played music, and a group of British deserters fired a small cannon. And numerous toasts were made to independence and those who had died fighting for it. And of course, there were fireworks. The story in the evening post continued. The evening was closed with the ringing of bells and at night there was a grand exhibition. 13 rockets on the commons and the city was beautifully illuminated. Everything was conducted with the greatest order and decorum and the face of joy and gladness was universal. In 1781, several months before the pivotal American victory at the Battle of Yorktown, Massachusetts became the first state to make July 4th an official state holiday. Surprisingly, the U.S. Congress didn't make July 4th a federal holiday until 1870, and it would be 1941 before the provision was expanded to grant a paid holiday to all federal employees. There's a bit of Trivia for you. Like my pa said, better to fill the head with useless knowledge than no knowledge at all. In 1801, Thomas Jefferson, our third president, was the first to hold July 4th celebrations at the White House. He marked the occasion with horse races, a parade, and a festival with barrels of beer and cider. The words of the Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. These ideals enshrined in the Declaration of Independence have been our national focus for nearly 250 years. Those words have given courage and inspiration to suffragettes, civil rights marchers, immigrants, abolitionists, as we evolved as a nation and moved towards transforming those words into a reality. For many presidents and national leaders, the 4th of July was an opportunity to inspire the nation to live up to the ideals in that declaration and to unify the country in the pursuit of a common goal. On occasion, the speeches slid into the realm of political, and there were speeches laced with brutal honesty about our failure to live up to those ideals. But that's part of the American experience as well.
But the most memorable, the most inspiring speeches have been those that quoted the words of the Declaration of Independence as a reminder of our national goals, that invoked the passionate spirit of America's founding fathers, that extolled the virtue of liberty, and that bridged chasms of division to unite the American people in a common goal. President Obama's speech in 2013 is one example. Quote, on July 4th, 1776, a small band of patriots declared that we were a people created equal, free to think and worship and to live as we please. It was a declaration heard around the world that we were no longer colonists. We were Americans and our destiny would not be determined for us. It would be determined by us. It was a bold and tremendously brave thing to do. It was nearly unthinkable. At that time, kings and princes and emperors ruled the world, but those patriots were certain that a better way was possible, and to achieve it, to win their freedom, they were willing to lay it all on their line, their lives, their fortune, their sacred honor. They fought a revolution. Few would have bet on our side to win, but for the first of many times to come, America proved the doubters wrong. And now, 237 years later, the United States, this improbable nation, is the greatest in the world. It's a land of liberty and of opportunity, a global defender of peace and freedom, a beacon of hope to people everywhere who cherish those ideals. Generations of Americans made our country what it is today. Farmers and teachers, engineers and laborers, Elected leaders, people from all walks of life, from all parts of the world, all pulling in the same direction. And now we, the people, must make their task our own to live up to the words of that Declaration of Independence and secure liberty and opportunity for our children and for future generations. In his 1986 Fourth of July speech, Ronald Reagan said, 56 men came forward to sign the parchment. It was noted at the time that they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor, and that was more than rhetoric. Each of these men knew the penalty for high treason to the crown. We must all hang together, Benjamin Franklin said, or assuredly we will all hang separately. And John Hancock, it is said, wrote his signature in large script so King George could see it without spectacles. They were brave. They stayed brave through the bloodshed of the coming years. Their courage created a nation built on a universal claim to human dignity. On the proposition that every man, woman, and child had a right to a future of freedom. For a moment, let us reflect on those words again. On July 4th, 1965, Martin Luther King Jr. gave a speech at the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. It was a time of tremendous national strife as we, as a nation, had not yet fully manifested the vision of the Declaration of Independence. Quote, I would like to discuss some of the problems that we confront in the world today and some of the problems that we confront in our own nation by using as a subject the American dream. I choose this subject because America is essentially a dream. It is a dream of a land where men of all races, of all nationalities and creeds can live together as brothers. The substance of the dream is expressed in these sublime words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, 
that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, we notice in the very beginning that the center of this dream is an amazing universalism. It does not say some men. It says all men. It does not say all white men, but it says all men, which includes black men. It does not say Gentiles, but it says all men, which includes Jews. It does not say Protestants, but it says all men, which includes Catholics. This is something that we notice in this great American dream. Frederick Douglass was a powerful social reformer. He was an abolitionist, an orator, writer, and statesman. And after escaping from slavery in Maryland, he became a national leader of the abolitionist movement in Massachusetts and New York. His speeches were powerful, they were brutally honest, and they were inspiring. On July 5th, 1852, Douglas gave a speech in an event commemorating the signing of the Declaration of Independence held at Rochester's Corinthian Hall. It was a biting oratory in which he told his audiences, this 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice, I must mourn. The speech entitled The Meaning of July 4th for the Negro would inspire Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King, John F. Kennedy, Harry Truman, Dwight Eisenhower, and countless other national leaders. It exemplified the very essence of the nation, its glory, its shortcoming, its goals, and its inspiration. He opened the speech with these words, Fellow citizens, I am not wanting in respect for the fathers of this republic. The signers of the Declaration of Independence were brave men. They were great men, great enough to give frame to a great age. It does not often happen to a nation to raise at one time such a number of truly great men. The point from which I am compelled to view them is not certainly the most favorable. And yet, I cannot contemplate their great deeds with less than admiration. They were statesmen, they were patriots, they were heroes, and for the good they did and the principles they contended for, I will reunite with you to honor their memory. Then he hit the audience behind the, between the eyes with brutal honesty. I say it with a sad sense of the disparity between us. I am not included within the pale of glorious anniversary. Your high independence only reveals the immeasurable distance between us. The blessings in which you this day rejoice are not enjoyed in common. The rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, but not by me. The sunlight that brought light and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. This 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice, I must mourn. To drag a man in fetters into the grand illuminated temple of liberty and call upon him to join you in joyous anthems were inhuman mockery and sacrilegious irony. Do you citizens mock me by asking me to speak today? If so, there's a parallel to your conduct. And let me warn you that it is dangerous to copy the example of a nation whose crimes towering up to heaven were thrown down by the breath of the Almighty. He closed, though, with words of hope that were drawn from the inspiration of the Declaration of Independence. He knew that this was a nation capable of great things, and this was a nation destined to be a light unto the oppressed people of the world. Allow me to say, in conclusion, 
notwithstanding the dark picture I have this day presented of the state of the nation, I do not despair of this country. There are forces in operation which must work the downfall of slavery. The arm of the Lord is not shortened, and the doom of slavery is certain. I therefore leave off where I began with hope. While drawing encouragement from the Declaration of Independence, the great principles it contains, and the genius of American institutions, my spirit is cheered by the obvious tendencies of the age. Nations do not now stand in the same relation to each other that they did ages ago. No nation can now shut itself up from the surrounding world and trot round in the same old path of its fathers without interference. Long-established customs of hurtful character could formally fence themselves in and do their evil work with social impunity. Knowledge was then confined and enjoyed by the privileged few, but a change has come over the affairs of mankind. Walled cities and empires have become unfashionable. Thoughts expressed on this side of the Atlantic are heard on the other. President Truman's speech in 1951 followed the historic pattern of past presidents, but there was an underlying theme and meaning in his words. Quote, This is a very special occasion. Here in Washington tonight, up in Philadelphia and throughout our nation, we are celebrating an anniversary of great importance. On this day, 175 years ago, the representatives of the American people declared the independence of the United States. Our forefathers in Philadelphia not only established a new nation, they established a nation based on a new idea. They said that all men were created equal. They based the whole idea of government on God-given equality of men. They said that the people had the right to govern themselves. They said the purpose of government was to protect the unalienable rights of man to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These were sensational proposals. In 1776, a nation based on such new and radical ideas did not appear to have a chance of success. In those days, power centered in Europe. Monarchy was the prevailing form of government. The divine right of kings was widely accepted. The new nation was small, remote, poor, and in 1776, apparently friendless. Europe did not for a moment believe this new kind of government would work. And to tell the truth, fully a third of our own people did not believe it would work either. We can hardly imagine the courage and the faith it took to issue the Declaration of Independence in those circumstances. Today, we can see that the members of the Continental Congress were right. Less than two centuries later, the nation born that day, instead of being small, stretches across a continent. Instead of being poor, the United States is wealthier than any other nation in the world. Instead of being friendless, we have strong and steadfast allies. The transformation during these 175 years seems to be complete, but it is not. Some things have not changed at all since 1776. For one thing, freedom is still expensive. It still costs money. It still costs blood. It still calls for courage and endurance, not only in soldiers, but in every man and woman who is free and who is determined to remain free. Freedom must be fought for today, just as our fathers had to fight for freedom when the nation was born. 
For another thing, the ideas on which our government is founded, the ideas of equality, of God-given rights, of self-government, are still revolutionary. Since 1776, they've spread around the world. In France in 1789, in Latin America in the early 1800s, in parts of Europe in the 19th century, these ideas produced new governments and new nations. Now in the 20th century, these ideas have stirred the peoples and countries of the Middle East and Asia to create free governments dedicated to the welfare of the people. The ideas of the American Revolution are still on the march. Truman included in his speech an introduction about an idea as revolutionary as the Declaration of Independence, the formation of the United Nations. His speech was also subtly directed toward the radical states' rights Democratic Party, often called the Dixiecrats, that formed in opposite Truman's executive order 9981, issued on July 26, 1948. The battle flag of the Confederate States of America was a dusty historic relic until the Dixiecrats brought it out of storage, dusted it off, and used it as their banner as they formed an opposition to this executive order that was entitled President's Committee on Equality of Treatment and Opportunity of the Armed Services. And it mandated the desegregation of the U.S. military a step forward in our progress as we transformed the words of the Declaration of Independence into a reality. In a nutshell, this episode in the Truman presidency sums up the conflicted history of our 4th of July celebrations. Now, for me personally, the holiday is one of my favorites. It's an opportunity to reflect on our nation's inspirational history, its astounding accomplishments, its unique nature, and to meditate on the words of the Declaration of Independence. For me, it's an opportunity to celebrate freedom, to reflect on what work still needs to be done, and to hope that this holiday inspires people to give thought to what unites us rather than what divides us. Unity of purpose has always, always been America's strength. And now a little bit of a 4th of July oddity for you. John Adams and Thomas Jefferson were comrades in arms, and they were two of the men that epitomized the American spirit made manifest in the Declaration of Independence. And, of course, they are also known as two of our nation's founding fathers. But they allowed political differences to divide them. For more than two decades, their bitterness kept them apart until Dr. Benjamin Rush played peacemaker. And during their remaining years, with their friendship renewed, the two elderly statesmen maintained a vigorous correspondence, rebuilt their friendship, and shared their thoughts on a nation that they had helped create. Then on July 4th, 1826, the 50th anniversary of the adoption of the Declaration of Independence, they died within hours of each other. Pretty amazing stuff, if I do say so. You know, this country is made up of people. And as a result, it's got its flaws, wrinkles, warts. But it's still amazing that, to a large degree, for most of the past 
nearly two what 246 years we've focused on that document the declaration of independence and we've tried to reach those goals we have tried to 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 manifest uh what's in that document kind of amazing one of my favorite holidays guys hope oh, don't sorry to get a little emotional there I encourage you to read some of the presidential speeches over the years. Uh, read the speeches of Frederick Douglass, Martin Luther King. Uh, incredible, incredible men. Okay, before I wrap this up and uh, let you get to your fall 4th of July holiday, let's uh, share some 4th of July memories. Do you have some great memories to share? Do you have an idea that what, what's your ideal place, the best place to celebrate uh Thank you for giving out those uh, messages to remind people to be safe and responsible this weekend. Do you have any places that you'd really like to celebrate the 4th of July? Well, let me uh, uh, share a little something for me. Do we have a... Yes, sir. Um, you know, the, the, the PSA messages, like I posted in the chat of this, um, of this episode, um, and I'm sure you would agree, Jim, like we, we, like with, with being safe and being responsible this weekend, we encourage people to be safe if they're around water and to be safe when handling fireworks, because I think the best word of advice would be to leave the fireworks and pyrotechnics to the professionals and, and to re remind people that that they shouldn't swim alone and keep an eye on young kids at all times and to remember like rules about boating safety but the most important one and we would also do this at memorial day and labor day weekend as well as thanksgiving christmas and new years and we and this also applies to the fourth of july never drink and drive no oh well i got you well we want to encourage people to have a good time but but yes, being be safe, safe. Be responsible sure because if they're going to be partying and having drinks, we just ask that they remember to have a designated driver or just to call Uber or Lyft to get them to and from their destination. Because yes. I think the message you would agree with is we want everybody to arrive alive. Yep. Hey, uh, getting to this, uh, we were going to talk about places to celebrate 4th of July and favorite memories. And you know, some years ago, I had an opportunity to visit Colonial Williamsburg in Virginia. And I was so impressed. The, the attention to detail, the near complete immersion in the late colonial period in the Revolutionary War was just absolutely invigorating. And uh, I have watched some videos of Fourth of July celebrations. And to me, at some point, that's where I've got to go sometime to celebrate the Fourth of July. And it's one of my favorite Fourth of July memories. Well, I have one. Um, Many, many years ago, I had a opportunity. It was a very somber and exhilarating memory making 4th of July. I had been invited by a friend of mine I had met in Winslow to come up and spend the holiday with his family at Cayenta, Arizona. His father had been a Navajo code talker. And that's a story I'll share for another day, but uh, that's one of my favorite uh, memories of the 4th of July. Hey, you know, I really want to thank everybody who joined us today. Please feel free to share this program. Um, 
we're going to be uh, making a few changes here in the near future, adding to things, expanding our scope a little bit. But uh, Wednesday, we'll have a warning on Wake Up With Jim, 6.30 Mountain Standard Time. We will have a uh, new uh, program of inspiration for you. I think you're going to find pretty interesting. And then next Sunday, we'll get back to our regular travel programs. I, I hope everybody found this program uh, inspirational, encouraging, thought-provoking, inspirational, and enjoyable. Um, hey, Jim, how would you feel about closing out today's show by us reciting the Pledge of Allegiance? No problem at all. Go. Um, we encourage people to, to stand, place their right hand over their heart, salute, and pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all thank you guys any other and, questions um, before yes. and you have a very blessed weekend sir thank you hey uh any any questions uh anything i can answer for you uh any discussions at all on uh fourth of july that you'd like to share with us well, thank you. I hope everybody enjoyed it. And please feel free to share it and uh, join us next week. We'll do this again. And have a great 4th of July, my friends. And, uh, well, take care. Adios, mi amigos. Say hello to a new friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. Come along for the ride. Jim Hinckley's America. Jim Hinckley's America.